Hello there, thank you for tuning in. My name is Josiah Gilliam and I am the My Brother's Keeper Coordinator for the City of Pittsburgh and Allegheny County. I work in the office of Mayor Bill Peduto and I'm here with a special guest, Tylee Thompson. Uh, Tylee Thompson serves in the Office of Violence Prevention at the Allegheny County Health Department as a coordinator for violence prevention. Tylee, thank you for taking the time, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm thrilled to have you here. So, let's just get into it, man. Can, we, can you introduce yourself to the people that don't know you and are familiar uh, yes. with you and your work? Uh, I'm Tylee Thompson, uh, born and raised uh, on the north side of, of Pittsburgh. Um, got involved with this violence prevention work when um, Violence was kind of picking up in the city of Pittsburgh in 2003. Uh, they gave um, Richard Garland, they tasked Richard Garland with coming up with a solution hmm. to the violence that was taking place. Um, Richard said, let me go to the problem for the solution. Hmm. Um, and, and, and with that, the work of uh, One Vision, One Life was born. Uh, so I was a guy who at the time that Richard um, approached me, you know, was in the community. Um, committing crimes at the time, basically. I mean, to, to put it bluntly, you know, I was, you know, selling drugs and different things that kind of come with that culture. Um, and, you know, Richard came to me and, and was like, look, you know, they're gonna give me an opportunity to, uh, to try to address some of the violence that's taking place in the city. Um, you know, would you, I, I would want you to be a part of that. Hmm. Um, one of the things that he said um, that to me that was, you know, there was a couple things that he said that kind of stuck out was one is that you know, I want to approach guys who've been a part of tearing the community down and give them an opportunity to help build it back up. And, um, and, and when he said that, and what also what kind of like was, was weird um, in a good way was that Richard seen value in my past mm. or kind of say my present at the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of times when you're in the community and you're doing bad things in the community, you know, you're devalued by the community. Hmm. You're devalued by society. And Richard was one that said, look, I see value in you and I want to find other guys similar to yourself because there's value in y'all if you want to actually be a part of transition and turning your life around and help turn the community around. Sounds like a special person to be able to identify that in a young person. Um, who is Richard Garland and uh, to you, how would you explain who he um, is? Well, to me, Richard is a, is, is a mentor of mine. He gave me the opportunity to do this work. Hmm. I mean. I wouldn't be sitting here today, and I tell people all the time, I wouldn't be sitting here today if it wasn't for Richard Garland. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, he, he gave me a platform, he gave me an opportunity, he gave me, in, in a sense, it, it was giving me purpose to kind of commit the change that I committed in my life with, um, with the organization that he came up with at the time. So when we sat down, you know, uh, I actually was one of the ones who came up with the name of One Vision, One Life. So in the beginning stages, you know, he, he had us sit down with some folks down at, the, uh, at DHS at the time, and it was like, okay, you know, what, what, do, what, what should we call this organization in a sense? And when the organization or the concept started, it originally was supposed to just start on the north side. Hmm. And my thing was that on the north side, you know, we're like 18 different neighborhoods, 18 different communities. We have a lot of, um, you know, um, conflict that was going on between all those different communities. And I said, if I can get the communities and the guys that are, that are at conflict with each other to realize that on the north side, we used to be one. Like, we were old Allegheny before we became a part of the city of Pittsburgh. Old Allegheny City. Old Allegheny City. So I said, man, if I can get us to realize that we were one before we was even part of the city, hmm. um, that would be great. And then understanding that this work is going to have to be a, a, something that you build momentum and it's going to have to be one life at a time. 
and 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 we you know we got to realize that we're one and, and it has to be something that builds momentum so that's when I, I came up with the um, with the one vision one life literally and mm -hmm. and that was where one vision one life the name came from was that my, my vision when Richard gave me an opportunity to kind of come up with a name was my vision for what I would love the Northside to be at the time that had a lot of feud and a lot of conflict that was going on is for us to have one vision, one life, and, and realize that we used to be one. So this is in the early 2000s. What did, what did the violence look like at that time? Like how was it described? Um, was it large group activity? What was it, what was um, it looking like? Well, at that time there, there was a lot of uh, group, you know, kind of group violence that, that was, that was um, you know, coming off of that, that kind of group violence era. Um, in the 90s. And so this was like, you know, going out to the, yeah, in the 90s, you know, there, there was a lot of gang violence, to be honest. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, that, that's something that we, you know, we can't um, escape, is that at, at that time, you know, throughout the different um, areas in the city of Pittsburgh, there was a lot of gang violence. And, and folks that grew up in those communities knew it, you know, understood it, and, and either became a victim or a perpetrator or figured out ways to kind of navigate through those those spaces, because mm. you know they were some very tense spaces at the time. There were, you know, if if you look at the history, you'll be able to see that there were some some events that took place during those years that that were um, very traumatic, very traumatizing events, with the level of violence that was taking place um, in our different communities. Mm. Okay, so this is 2003. You're working now with Richard Garland. Yes. Uh, it's 2020 now. So how is right. this work? Uh, kind of evolved, and then let's talk about the Office of Violence Prevention itself. So the the here's the beauty of of, of the the work is that at the time you know we we had a, a model, um, and it was a model that um, Aaron Dalton and Richard had kind of got from Sluckin up in Chicago. So Aaron Dalton was working with the county at the time. No, her well her first she first was working with actually One Vision. So uh -huh. before Aaron was actually at the county. Um, because Richard was doing some stuff at Youth Work, so they let they had Richard come over to start this, and they had Aaron, you know, um, working with him. You know, Aaron worked at One Vision, writing grants and and getting it all together as far as you know um, the documentation and all that different different things. Yeah. So Aaron actually um, and Richard, you know, kind of put the model together from the model out of Chicago. From at the time it was called uh, Ceasefire Chicago, mm -hmm. and it was Dr. Sluckin. So as they, you know, was developing the model, they were actually sending us up to Chicago to, to learn the different implementations of this particular model. And this model is related to violence prevention intervention work? This is related to, directly related to violence prevention intervention work. Hmm. And the beauty when you talk about it, the evolution, you know, this is 2020 now, is that what we didn't realize in the language we didn't have back then, and even Sluckin didn't have it back then, is that it was a public health approach hmm. to gun violence. Hmm. This was the disease model. Um, Sluckin was called Ceasefire Chicago. We were called One Vision, One Life. We had the exact same model. Yeah. It was a public health approach, but it wasn't until recent years that the disease model and the, and the narrative kind of caught up to the work that we used to do. You mentioned the language um, yes. that we have now. So how was it, how was it uh, communicated back then? You have Ceasefire, like what was, how did they explain it? So, Back then, it was just like a part of activities that were being done in the model. Okay. And and what was what was um, complicated was that people didn't understand the connection of the activities. So I see. You get to the point where you say um, outreach workers, mm -hmm. right? That Richard had um, ceasefire called them, you know, street outreach workers slash interrupters, right? When people see outreach workers. 
they didn't see the value in the work that they did. Now, Slutkin said that this work created a new category of healthcare worker, which is a street outreach worker. And not just anybody could be a street outreach worker, it had to be someone that understood the culture, was, un, came from the culture, and had the ability to attempt to do mediations within those communities, mm -hmm. right? And when you do these mediations, and, and I'll talk about this um, you know, throughout our conversation, the first part of the model is interrupting the transmission of the disease, mm. right? So with this new category of healthcare worker that, that Slucken talks about, and at the time that Richard and Aaron Daunt were able to actually assemble, these were guys that had the ability to literally mediate conflicts. Mm -hmm. Now when they mediate those conflicts, they were interrupting the transmission of a disease. Mm. Every successful mediation prevented that transition from happening, which allows another transmission to happen because that transmission happened. We look so you're at you're stopping it, the sequence, you're stopping the pattern. Well, you're, you're stopping a pattern, but individuals, here's the thing about violence in, in our communities. Everybody that's in the community knows that if this guy and that guy kind of gets into it, there's going to be a bunch of re, like stuff that will happen from that yeah. that, has, that has nothing to do with just those two. Like repercussions and consequences. Right, with, yeah. okay, like, oh, if this, if this happens and, and they get into a fight and then they may evolve guns, there's going to be so many other folks that will get pulled into that. Hmm. So we know that if we could stop this one thing from happening, it will prevent the other people from having to be involved in this particular matter. And, and in the 90s and in the late and early 2000s, that was, it was like more guaranteed that if this one thing happened, there would be more things that will happen after that because of, of just the way that the communities were kind of more clicked off you know, more clicks off at that particular time. Hmm. So as a resident, you know, man, if I could just get these particular individuals not to get into this conflict, we can prevent something else from happening. Got it. So you see it, you know, you might hear people speak about it, but when the language finally caught up to it, the hmm. public health approach, you say, okay, these guys are interrupting the transmission of a disease. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's just like when you think of any other disease, if a transmission of a disease happens, those are that because that happened, it gives the ability for it to be transmission to transmitted to other people now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because now these individuals crossed each other, the disease has transmitted between them. Now people that he runs across, he can transmit the disease to. People that he can runs across, he can transmit the disease to. Mm -hmm. Because they came across each other and the disease transmitted, it happened. Right. In a sense. Right. So it's always been the goal with treating the disease is, is the first thing is interrupting the transmission of the disease. And that highlights the importance of outreach workers, helps people see the value in it, and I think also highlights the importance of trainings to equip those outreach workers, because yes. to your point, it can't just be you know someone that just wants to walk in and start doing mediation. Right, right, right. So you with, 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 this new, with the language and the way that the language eventually evolved, is you've seen that only certain people could play that role, mm -hmm. but then you also ended up seeing the value of that particular person. You know what I mean? It took slucking years to eventually get to the point that people say, oh, that's the value of street outreach. Hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, even, you know, when I started out as a street outreach, you know, worker, I always knew we gotta find a better way of communicating the value of what we do because a lot of the stuff that was happening was behind closed doors. You know what I mean? Where there was guys, I mean, at one point, um, One Visual Life had over 50 outreach workers throughout the city of Pittsburgh. And these are guys, man, that had the, the influence um, in their communities to where they could say they could squash 
beefs, hmm. literally mediate conflict, hmm. right? And it wasn't something that you could just go broadcast and be like, yo, they just mediated this or mediated that. But I knew the value and I was like, we, we gotta find ways of showing value in what happened. Mm -hmm. And technically what, what you end up saying is what didn't happen. Right. Because, because they are so valuable, something didn't happen. Right. And now you get caught up in this, in this, this game of, of counting, how do you count something that didn't happen? Exactly. Yeah, how do you really? explain the, the sequence of repercussions or consequences right. that were avoided because you interrupted the transmission? Because there? you interrupted the transmission. Okay, right. so that's Dr. Slekin and Ceasefire. Are there any other national models uh, that come to mind? Um, well, it's, so Ceasefire became, so Slekin realized that he had to kind of carve his pitch, his niche of what he was doing, and he transitioned to cure violence. Cure violence. Right. So Ceasefire became cure violence. Okay. Um, and um, and then you know as as you know right now there's um, you got you got cities united that are kind of like putting all these languages together mm -hmm. because cure violence the, you know when it comes to street outreach work um, the, they look to cure violence's model I see you know what I, I mean see. they they have it in the model and then you have Kennedy you know you got the um, what what GVIs is currently doing and that's focused deterrence so. That's focused deterrence and more custom notification, which is also, you know, very important and beneficial because what happened over the years is that as violence was taking place, um, you would get to the point of doing heavier saturation in the community that may have high exposure to the disease of violence, and then how you end up doing out of saturation ends up creating a rift between the community and law enforcement. So that saturation is law enforcement. Yeah, the, the heavy saturation because that's boots on the ground. That's to boots on the ground. You might want to kind of like you you look up. There might be some cars being towed. There mm -hmm. might just be some interaction that has to take place between law enforcement and community because violence. There's a high exposure of the disease of violence in these particular communities. Right. That was the old approach to um, policing in a sense. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because. Uh, Former New York Mayor Mike Bloomberg, who's running for president currently, 2020, um, was there was a, a recording that got that got released where he, or got released where he was kind of speaking to this philosophy. Mm -hmm. You look at where there's uh, high concentrations of crime, mm -hmm. and then you put many police officers there. That right. was the philosophy he was he right. was espousing. And then what he ended up saying in response to that was that there were all these unforeseen consequences of doing that yes. uh, for him in particular, um, the like stop and frisk policy right. and the negative impacts and outsized impact it had on black and brown populations, right. poor populations, et cetera. Uh, but it speaks that, to this philosophy of kind of addressing crime with boots on the ground. Right. And so what you're describing, as I understand it, is a transition away from that. These custom notifications and Dr. Kennedy's work is a way for law enforcement to play a role with outreach mm -hmm. using this public health framing. Is that, is that right. on the right track? So it, yeah, so it, it, it allow law enforcement to kind of transition to focus deterrent, where they want to kind of focus on who's responsible for what just happened. Yeah. You know, and, and let's have some interaction with the individuals responsible for what just happened. And the beauty of, to be honest, the beauty of Pittsburgh's model and where Pittsburgh is kind of at now is that they have focused deterrence, which is Kennedy's model, but they also have a level of the public health approach with the work that Cornell does. Yeah. So the work that Cornell does and the outreach that he has brings in that public health approach where right. he's ha he has guys that can interrupt transmission, that can connect, that can prevent the future spread by connecting individuals to services, that can play the role of how you change community norms, 
So it ends up having, what, what the city has right now is a blend of two models. And, and that's, that kind of like, let's say, evolved from the work that Cornell has been doing. And, and even with the mindset and the way that Chief Beckerstaff kind of like does the work that she does. And, and it, it has, and I, I've seen the work that she does where she's really um, in the, pro she's really more concerned with interrupting the transmission before it kind of happened to where old police, it might have been, it happened, now we come in and, and, and we have to react off of the transmission happening already. Mm -hmm. So with Chief Becker's staff and the work that Cornell, it was like, okay, and, and the whole team of folks that they kind of have is that let's get involved and prevent things from happening before law enforcement has to come in and after the transmission has taken place. Got it. So. Um this blended model, and you've just, even the leaders you've mentioned, Reverend Cornell Jones, Chief Bickerstaff, uh, this is work happening at different levels yes. and folks playing their role. So let's talk about the Office of Violence Prevention, which mm -hmm. is a relatively a relatively recent entity right. uh, coming from the health department, yes? Right, right. So um, there was a, a, a year-long commission um, that Dr. Hacker, who was the director of the health department, um, sat on. It was a commission that um, Fitzgerald had put together to kind of have a group of 24 individuals take a look at violence and public health issues in, in, in areas throughout Allegheny County. What, around what year was this? This might have been 2014. Uh, so around 2014, you have County Executive Rich Fitzgerald yes. um, puts, a puts a commission together. A Dr. Karen Hacker is the current director of the health department. Right. Um, the countywide health department, right. we should say, uh, to study this. Yeah, and, and, and so with this commission, um, the commission had the, the who's who in this different work. So I look, because um, I was looking at the members of the commission um, just yesterday. Mm. So you had Richard Garland on it. You had Rashad Birdsong. You had uh, Cookie Coleman, the chief of police in Wilkinsburg. Um, chief uh, um, uh, Aaron, um, Aaron Dalton may have been a, a member of that. Yeah. Uh, it, so it was individuals like from all over Allegheny County that they felt would be of value yeah. as it relates to looking at violence and mental health throughout Allegheny County. Community leaders, subject matter experts, yes. law enforcement. Fa uh, Faith-based. Faith-based leaders. Was a, actually, one of the co-chairs was, was, a, was a, a pastor or a reverend hmm. from, from um, the community, I believe, in, in Wilkinsburg. Hmm. So, and, and the thing was is they didn't just meet once. They met for a whole year. Mm -hmm. And from this, from this, this year of them meeting, um, actually, oh, Ed Gainey, um, Rep Representative Ed Gainey, Rep Representative Ed Gainey, um, Jake Wheatley, yep, all of these, Pennsylvania all State of Rep. these individuals, um, um, Representative uh, Wayne Fontana, got it, was 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 on this. So all of these individuals came together for a year long to say, here's the issues, here's what we need to address, and from that they put together a 65-page report hmm. called the PNC. Um, report on commission's report and it was on violence and in public and uh, mental health and from that within one of the recommendations in there was for the health department to take a mental uh, a public health approach to gun violence mm -hmm. you know what i mean and and from that you know uh dr hacker ended up getting a grant from heinz endowment um to give me the opportunity to open up the office taking this public health approach to gun violence so now you have um this local and regional political engagement mm -hmm. of different leaders, faith-based leaders, uh, community outreach workers, yes. uh, subject matter experts, yeah. uh, series of recommendations, one of which is to take this, formalize and actualize this public health approach. Right. And then you'll be involved in the local philanthropy, the Heinz Endowments, yes. Yes. Um, gives a grant to begin 
this work right. at the at the county health department. Yep. Okay. Yep. So you get you're brought on. You're you're leading this with Dr. Hacker uh, mm -hmm. and other leaders. Um, how has this work evolved since then? Um, so uh, two two things with with opening up the office. Well, there was three things in a sense. Was one was to form up um, put a a commission. Um, uh, community advisory board together, yeah. um, which you sat on, the yep. community advisory board, and I appreciate you, you know, your work with that. Yeah. Um, so we put a community advisory board together, um, and it ended up being like 32 individuals from sectors all throughout Allegheny County. Broad. Yes, it, 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 it really was. Um, and then the second part was to issue two uh, RFPs. Uh, one was for outreach, to do outreach work outside of city limits, and, and those outreach workers would do some of the things that are part of the cure violence model, mm -hmm. um, and then there was also a trauma response. And yes. at the time, it was Focus Pittsburgh, yeah. who now is the neighborhood, neighborhood resilience project. project. Yeah. Um, so we ended up having those 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 three things ended up in place, and, and we did them. You know, out in the county, Richard Garland, University of Pittsburgh, and his outreach team did the outreach component outside of city limits, and Focus Pittsburgh responded to uh, homicides that would take place throughout Allegheny County. Mm -hmm. um, and, and as you know, the uh, Community Advisory Board met, you know, we met at one point, we met monthly, then we got to the point of meeting quarterly. And, and that work take, you know, took place. And it kind of got us to where we're at now to the point that, you know, we ended up bringing in uh, Ross Watson Jr. Um, to be the manager of the office um, as we look to uh, expand and and provide more resources to the office, and you know he had to, he was able to write a grant that we ended up receiving from the PCCD to actually implement cure violence, um, the the whole model um, with the with the assistance of the individual from Chicago, and we're implementing that in Wilkinsburg. In Wilkinsburg, so yes. this is you know right next to the neighborhood of Homewood in the city of Pittsburgh, but is a separate municipality. Right, and yeah. the one thing that's unique. Uh, unfortunately right now about Wilkinsburg is that out of the county um, it had the most homicides outside of city limits it had the most homicides in, in Allegheny County hmm. um, so we, we're talking about an area that's like 2.1 miles um, and it had 11 homicides last year hmm. so 2.1 like square miles yes 2.1 square miles and it had 11 hot so it led the county um, in homicides last year uh, Wilkinsburg did so you mentioned how in Pittsburgh right now there's this blended model that's right. taking uh, advantage of these evidence-based best practices mm -hmm. and all the connectivity of the different levels of folks that do this work. Mm -hmm. and, um, and recently in the city of Pittsburgh, there's been a different story. Uh, there's been a reduction in homicides. In, and, in the city. Uh, in the city. Um, and better reporting between the levels uh, mm -hmm. to a certain extent. Um, and also uh, some framing about how this right. work is happening. What's, how would you um, suggest that the county um, moves forward as well, given that there's all of these municipalities uh, within it, 130 different? So the one thing that kind of has to take place um, is that there, there has to be um, a continued investment in outreach work to take place outside of, you know, in, in county areas. Like, so we ended up, you know, after the, con the two-year contract was over um, with uh, Richard and outreach team, we no longer have outreach outside, you know, in the county um, areas um, outside of when we implement this cure violence model. Um, so in Wilkinsburg. And, and so it'll just be in Wilkinsburg. So right now, you know, when we look at the work and the model, 
we won't have any interrupters, so we won't have anybody that would play the role of interrupting the transmission of the disease in these county areas. Mm. You know, right now we won't kind of have that outside of Wilkinsburg. Um, and I think, you know, it'll be evident with the work that'll take place in Wilkinsburg, the need for it in these other areas. Um, and mm. then there's also a challenge with these so many different municipalities, uh, different law enforcement agencies in, in these different areas outside of city limits in the county to kind of get them on the same page of maybe doing some focus deterrence work, mm. similar to what you know the city does, and then getting them all to buy in to finding value in individuals that could play role of outreach workers and the value that they can have in actually helping to improve the community and, yeah. and, and the, you know, the quality of life in those communities. Would you say that it's um, a positive indicator that as opposed to having to rely on maybe some, some national models that have done well in other contexts, we have a track record here recently of both the city and the county taking some positive steps and mm -hmm. looking at this deterrence work, looking at the role that law enforcement and outreach right. can play, et cetera? Yeah, well, so a, a short answer or a quick answer to, to, to what, you, what you just asked is that right now in Allegheny County, we have everything that we need, okay. to be honest. We just need to get to the point of just expanding the work. Okay. Because, because of the makeup and in, in how Allegheny County is kind of right now, d the borders don't exist like they kind of did in a sense. Mm. Um, there used to you know, be, you know, folks lived in the city, lived in the city, and folks lived in the county may have lived in the county. But now you can see folks that, that are out in county neighborhoods and, and, they, and, and truly, they, they're, they, they're from the city. Hmm. They feel like, I am from the city. They will not tell you that they live in these new areas that they're, that they're currently occupying. Hmm. You know, they'll identify with where they kind of came from. Hmm. You know, where their roots are, where their families are, where they still may have family at. So, you know, we actually have to take the approach on a county level. You okay. know, we have, it has to be a coordination of efforts um, with city county efforts and we, we've been attempting to do that with the you know we have a great relationship working relationship with GBI and, and, and Cornell and them yeah. but there needs to be an official um, coordination of efforts to be able to say okay we're implementing the GBI model and the public health approach model to gun violence throughout Allegheny County got it you know what I mean because you know at the same time that we've seen great success in the city of Pittsburgh we also seen a, a, a great increase of homicides outside of city limits. Okay. Um, we have a couple minutes left here. Okay. I want to take a, a little bit of a pivot, though it's related, because part of the cure violence model, as I understand it, is this idea of changing community norms as right, well. Right. You do that through the lens of activities, connections, and right. services, et cetera. Um, we were just downstairs here in the city county building, and there's a great yes. Negro Leagues uh, display down right. there. It's been up uh, for most of this month. Um, right. and plays a great tribute to the extraordinary history of the Negro Leagues, but also to the Grays and the Crawfords uh, here in Pittsburgh. You've been involved uh, with baseball uh, and youth baseball yes. around the city for a while. Yes. What, what is it about baseball, uh, the legacy of the Negro Leagues, um, that resonates you know, with you, and how do you see um, the role of, of sports and those kind of right. structured activities in some of this changing community yeah. norms activity? Well, when, when you understand the model, um, there's a piece in the model. One is, is changing community norms, but there's also an underlining piece in, in both models. If you ever hear Kennedy talk, you ever hear Sluckin talk, and if you ever seen the work that One Vision One Life was doing of um, connecting youth with activities, connecting them with identities. When you connect them with, act, with activities, it gives them an identity, and um, 
that, that can actually create a level of sef safety in the community. So me, um, I always was, you know, into, ba into basketball. So there was a period where I was kind of doing basketball camps when I was working with One Vision One Life. But I, I transitioned my work into baseball because, I, you know, I played Little League Baseball growing up. And I just realized that um, how baseball had kind of died in, in our different communities. You know, we used to have two, three baseball leagues on the north side. The Hill always had a great baseball league. Um, and these were minor, minority kids playing the game of baseball, you know, when I was coming up. Hmm. So I, I got to the point that, you know, as my son was born, that I focused on him playing baseball and get as, as many minorities as I possibly could the kids that look like him into playing the game of baseball. And, and we were actually successful at doing that. I did it up at Brighton Heights. I currently um, coach uh, the Pirates uh, RBI program, mm. which is, you know, the goal is to actually revitalize baseball in the inner city. Mm -hmm. um, and, and nowadays the inner city kind of shifts a little bit. It may be revitalizing, you know, baseball in Swissville or McKeesport and whatnot. And baseball is, is, an, is a game to where you know, it's an identity that when kids really get involved in, in, and you really maximize their opportunities, um, it can create an identity that creates a level of safety, but actually can give them a return, you know, in, in the future where kids, you know, can play baseball on the next level. They can, you know, go to Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three schools and play, play the game of baseball. And it just, it, they just need individuals that are committed to treat, teaching them the proper fundamentals. Hmm. And when they do that, you'll, you'll have a level of success. Two, three years ago, we actually won the Mayor's Cup. Hmm. Um, and if you look at the picture of the kids that are on my team, it was about 85 to 90% minority team. Hmm. And we won the Mayor's Cup, hmm. you know, and, and we've won, you know, a gang of uh, championships, you know, within this, this, this realm of, of baseball on the local level. So once, you know, you get the kids involved and you, they see that you're putting time into them, you know, they'll also give you that same energy in return. Mm. And when they start to see success mm. because they're putting the time in, right. they get excited, they get engaged. And if you ever get a chance to see a Brighton Heights team come, you'll see that work that I kind of started doing seven, eight years ago because you'll see a lot of minorities at Brighton Heights playing yeah. a game of baseball compared to if they come across some of the other teams you know, um, you won't quite see those number of minorities. Mm -hmm. So to me, I'm, I'm really proud of, uh, the, of the work that I've been doing, but I'm really proud at the way that some of the parents of the kids that have taught, you know, the game of baseball over the years, you know, continue to bring them back and keep them engaged. And, and to me, we will see a return. And, and you'll even see a return in the community when you get to the point that community recognizes a kid as a baseball player. Mm. Like, yeah, that kid, oh, he's a baseball player. And other kids in the community will know, will recognize and say, oh, it becomes a part of their identity. Yes. And when you have those identities, you give the kid ability to, to have a, a network of friends that they can work on their social skills with, you know, that, that they can kind of connect to where they see I'm playing baseball, another kid looks similar to me is playing baseball as well, rather than them coming into a space and they're truly a minority in this space, and they kind of feel, you know, kind of out of, you know, kind of, you know, not out of place in a sense. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping um, that the work that, you know, the RBI program is doing and what the Pirates program is doing is that we can continue this effort of getting minority kids back into playing the game of baseball and realizing if you look at the, um, the work downstairs, you know, with the Negro League, you you see that we were very successful at it when mm -hmm. we played the game. Mm -hmm. You know, those those guys were great baseball players, not just in the Negro League. Those guys had talent that can transition into 
any baseball field. Right. You know what I mean? And when they were given the opportunity to join, you know, the, the MLB, it showed. Yeah. They became Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the numbers showed, you know, I mean, they say Satchel might have paid, played at 40-something when he mm-hmm. found, eventually, they eventually let him into the MLB. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and, and every guy that transitioned from the Negro League into playing to the MLB, you know, showed a lot of talent, you know, in their skill set. Mm-hmm. Tyler, thank you so much for your time, hey, man. man. Thanks for having me. I, I really, really appreciate, appreciate it. this for real. Yeah, we'll do another really one do. and talk more about baseball on the legacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, because that, we, we, that's a whole segment we can do on just the baseball just the itself. Because, I, I, man, I've been coaching it, man, since for like the last seven or eight years now. And, and there's so many things I like to talk about as it relates to just baseball. I hear you. Yeah. Well, thank you again. Uh, Tyler Thompson, uh, Coordinator, Violence Prevention, the Office of Violence Prevention at the Allegheny County Health Department. Uh, that's all we have for you today. Thanks. Uh, see you next time.